This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18+, plus. rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, uh, the, the uh, show that we occasionally do called In Off The Post, which is uh, all about reading out the listeners, the wonderful listeners that we have, reading out their emails to us. And us is me, Stanford Chidge, and the legend, the absolute legend that is Jonathan Oh, Chidge, oh, thank you so much. Lovely to be on the show. Lovely to be reading out these excellent emails, which, uh, as always... Uh, Prove to me and Chidge that uh, you all know much more than we do, and uh, in fact should be uh, should be hosting the show. But you know, it gives us an opportunity to delve into your excellent, excellent knowledge of football and of the uh, ridiculously performing Blue Boys as they are at the moment. Mm. So, but yes, great to be doing this as always. I love the fact that we get so many of them from. Uh, from all round the globe, mate, all round the world, fantastic. We do. I mean, I think when it comes to football knowledge, we do set a very low bar. But, yes, uh, well, you know, like the football team at the moment. Yeah, so to it's... be fair. But you know, as far as them hosting the show, I think that we're much funnier. So I think we've always got that on our side. Oh yeah, yeah, I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, that's good. We might, we Not might, not, we might know nothing and talk bollocks, but we are funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. funny bollocks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, Thanks. it's been a while actually. Uh, Fair off the post. We haven't done one for about a month. Uh, no, yeah. no, no. The, the team has, has, has lurched from uh, competence to incompetence, uh, as we suspected they would. The last time we did on in off the post, we said it would be a roller coaster, and uh, and it's sort of worse than that. It's the most turbulent uh, roller coaster that I've, I've uh, ever experienced. Not that I've experienced many. I did go to Alton Park once, I think, and uh, uh, that's what it is, isn't it? Alton Park, isn't it? That Alton. Alton Towers, Alton Towers, that's what it was, and um, did several rides and did myself a mischief. But uh, no, I think um, I think it has been uh, it has been a bizarre experience watching our team, and I suspect it will be reflected in our emails, Judge. Well, I I would agree with that, and I think uh, it also reflects. It's going to be quite interesting because it's been a month since we've done a show. Then it's like a 
a month's worth of football. And I really and I do agree with you. I think it's going to reflect the up and down nature of our somewhat mercurial uh, team. But we yes. shall see. Um, now, before we get into all of it, usual uh, as Tony would have it, parish notices. Uh, don't forget, you can listen to the show live, live every Monday and Friday at seven thirty p.m. by going to Mixler, which is Chelsea-Fancast.Mixler M-I-X-L-R dot com. And of course, you can join in the chat by posting on the live chat page, uh, as so many of you do. Uh, there may there may not be few people in internet because I kind of I'm not sure if I said to people w- w- that we would do this as a a Mixler outing tonight. We don't normally do an off the post as a Mixler outing. Um, we just sneakily do one in the middle of the week usually and don't tell anybody until we release it. But as there's no fucking football this weekend, uh, there's no preview show, obviously, because this is in fact Friday we're doing this. And so I thought it'd be nice for the, the people that we love to see on a Friday evening to gather together and congregate as they do on a Friday. So there we go. And they are great people. Um, now, uh, you can follow us on all the socials at Chelsea Fancast. Listen and subscribe on Acast, Spotify, Apple and all good podcast platforms. And make sure you leave us a, well, I don't know, a glowing five-star review. I mean, that might be nice, but there's no pressure. And talking of no pressure, uh, we also have something called Patreon. Uh, I still can't figure out what it is, really. I think it's just, you know, if I was being unkind to myself, I think I would say it's a website which encourages you to grift, uh, you know, or beg or blag, anything like that. But actually, uh, that would be doing a disservice to a lot of fine people who make great content and do uh, kind of Patreon-type things. I wouldn't say us. Our, our, our site, really, evolved out of... Somebody reminded me about this the other day, funnily enough, JK. Um, who was it? Bug it if I can remember. But anyway, somebody who'd been listening to the shows for a long, 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 long time. And uh, they remembered that we used to do a thing called Buy the Boys a Beer. And we had a little jingle, what we did. And uh, or it started out as a song. And basically, it came from people uh, in those days facebooking messaging us saying you know we're in australia we can never make it to a game we love what you do you make us laugh uh we'd like to buy you around but we can't get to the pub to do that so how on earth do we do that and i basically had a a jingle with a little mp3 on the website and you clicked on that and you it, it played the song and then you went through to paypal uh so i'm ahead of i was always ahead of the curve on these things then pa- patreon always. turned up and i said what a load of bollocks i don't want to do that it's grifting. Fuck off. And then everybody did it, so I thought, oh, well, I suppose we might as well. But, I mean, out of that, it's actually formed a very good group. Uh, we have a Discord group attached to it now, which is also brilliant. 24-7 Mixler, really, is one way to describe it. Uh, we've got to know loads of people on it. Um, and uh, if you do become a Patreon, which basically just means you bung us a few quid every month, um, I will uh, send you a Kerry Dixon banner, a mini Kerry Dixon banner, uh, the replica of the one that hands up, uh, stands up in the uh, uh, Matthew Harding end. And uh, and you get access to the Discord group. If you ask me, I will then send you the link. That's how it works. But uh, there really is no pressure. I, I love everybody equally, whether you are a Patreon or, or not. You know, the, just the fact that you all listen to us regularly is enough for me. But there you go. Patreon.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast if you feel like doing so. Right. Enough of the marketing messages, as the Yanks would have it. Um JK, the honour of the first email, as always, befalls to you. Can I just say, Chid, are we in the midst of the, the winter break? This is We why, are, mate. We are. But uh, why is it only a kind of sort of small window? 
Because we're playing the bar on Tuesday, aren't we? I, I, the answer to that is I do not know. I mean, uh, what is weird, and you will notice this because uh, no doubt you filled in your prem predictions last week. No, I forgot. Oh, oh, did you now? Well, you yeah. still got time because half of the games were last weekend. Half of the games are this, this weekend. Week. Oh, right, good. I'll do that. You might, yeah. e- you might eke out. Let's assume you would have got minus points for the first five anyway. Yes, I would have done. Yeah, but, yeah, so but you, you might, might get minus points for the next five. Yeah, but you as might, well. you might actually get into credit by doing these five. Yeah, I might by getting. I, I tend to get the odd one absolutely right from mm. time to time. So yeah, yeah, okay. Well, I, I started off with a bang because I got, I got the Burnley one less. Uh, was it Burnley one Luton one? I got that spot on. And I was praying for them not to disallow the goal at the end, you know, the one that kicked off all the controversy because the goalkeeper yes. was a fanny. Uh, and thankfully, uh, they didn't disallow the goal and I got 50 points. That so was a great start to the weekend. Uh, but hey-ho. So, um, yeah, I don't know why they've done that. I mean, possibly, uh, you know, this is... It's, I mean, we're doing our own bloody email. <laughs> we haven't even got to anybody else's yet. I wonder if it's the pressure from the broadcasters who just can't stand the idea of not showing football that week, for one weekend. Or two weekends, yeah, absolute fuckers, aren't they? Yeah, they are. They are a scourge on the game of football. They really are. I suppose they can do what they want, can't they? Because they've got the the rights to all the uh, well, the game. He who pays the piper schedule, and all that. It. Exactly, they can schedule it as they wish. But I think they are. I think if I think if you if you were to do a a thesis on that, maybe one day you and I will, J.K. As our we'll become doctors of football, we'll do a PhD in football. Or why modern football is bollocks by Doctor J.K. and Doctor Chidge, uh, but the thesis would be that all that is rotten in the state of football is really down to Sky's involvement with it from the get-go, or B Sky B as it was in those days in the Premier League, because it's just it's just been you know accelerating into an abyss of wankness ever since I think in terms of the commercialisation, the monetization, and the the uh, the contempt that the the, fan, the match-going fans are held in. I mean, you know, I mean, you can't argue with the quality of the players that have come into the league, and actually, the broadcast coverage in a, in a way is okay, you know. But I think there are many things that are wrong with it. But anyway, I can see people are leaving in droves as I'm boring the shit out of them. So let's get on with the, the emails. That's the first one's from James Boyd. Seasons greetings from soggy Scotland. I expect it's uh, frozen Scotland today. Uh, to the Lord, that's you, the Laird, the Laird, surely with the Laird yeah. and the and the Duke. Duke, 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 Duke of Kid. I hope you're both doing well. I've finally put those couple of weeks of the pesky sniffles behind you. Certainly doing the rounds just now. Well, actually, unfortunately, James, I'm still ill. Three months worth of this. Yep. Three months. Me Bloody too. Up. Me too. Uh, uh, it's been a few months since I sent in my first ever me email, my email, my email to you both. So I thought I'd dust off the keyboard for a long overdue follow up. If you cast your minds back to the final in off the post episode of last season before the summer break, I sent in a lengthy midlife crisis email telling the story of how my 30 year love for the NFL and the Dallas Cowboys rapidly dissipated into the ether as I fell head over heels for the beautiful game and Chelsea Football Club. It was wonderfully narrated by the velvet tones of Susanna's actor friend. <laughs> Thank you. As part of episode 1001. My email laid out the turbulent journey I'd been on since falling for the Blues in January 2021 amidst the second Scottish COVID-10 lockdown. I quickly learned that nothing is is very ever, ever quiet in Camp Chelsea, but the following couple of years of fandom beggared belief. The sacking of a blue legend, the hiring of the wonderful stick insect, 
uh, wonderful, surely not, surely, surely woeful, stick insect, a Champions League win, a Super Cup win, uh, a FIFA, uh, oh, sorry, the, yeah, the hiring of the wonderful stick insect, of course, which is, of course, Tuchel, I'm so sorry. Um, uh, yes, wonderful. Um, uh, a Champions League win, a Super Cup win, a FIFA World Cup win, a penalty kick or save away from FA Cup and EFL Cup wins, and a top four league finish, then spiralling into a congested fixture calendar, an injuries plague, the sanctions, the sale, the sacking of the mercurial stick insect, the hiring of the geography teacher, the return of a blue legend, the exit from European football and a 12th place league finish. A journey indeed. And it only dawned on me when listening to my own words back on the fancast airwaves that I had unwittingly completed a personal 20-minute episode of My Chelsea, more of which later. I also profess my love for the ever-engaging Chelsea fancast in my email and thanked you both and all the many esteemed fancast co-hosts profusely for playing an absolutely essential part in my knowledge. They play that part in my knowledge too, let me tell you. Understanding and passion for all things Chelsea and making me feel part of something bigger than just a game. I was totally blown away by the wonderful and emotive response I got from you both to my inner ramblings, which occupied about 20 minutes of the show. felt very special to be able to evoke such a deep reaction after 15 years of the podcast where you've heard it all before. To have my email mentioned in the best ever fancast email conversation really moved me. I cannot thank you enough for such warm, warm and humbling feedback. You are both first class genuine gents and I salute you once again, oh mate, thank you very much indeed. I, see I fooled you. You tell you, um, <laughs> I actually, I actually listened back to my email section in episode one thousand and one from the comfort of a Lanzarote pool sun lounger in October, just so I could relive the magic again. I loved it just as much on the second listen, not in a narcissistic way. <laughs> of, narci sorry, narcissistic way, of course. Not like skipping through a fanzine to read your own <laughs> your own article first, a eh, chidge. Oh dear, true. It's all true. I think everybody does that. Everybody does that. Apparently, I just made, me. Apparently, just me, mate. So I'm told. I made mention of how the opposition view feature was invaluable in my enjoyment of imminent fixtures and giving me a major heads up as to what one would potentially witness in the next ninety minutes of Chelsea football. I'd hoped this feature would be more regular and one Lord David Chidgey fell on the sword for the fancast and carted himself off to the naughty step, declaring himself guilty as charged as to the sporadic nature of the opposition view last season. He did solemnly swear to right his wrongs in this regard for the 23-24 season and boy did he keep that promise. The opposition view has been back with a bang, so thank you sincerely once again. This feature has been truly stellar and the quality of dastardly opposition guests has been excellent. Bravo, chaps. Bravo. With a few months of Chelsea football in the books, this season is taking us on yet another helter-skelter lap of the big blue roller coaster. Peaks and troughs are plenty, like tidal waves, with the recent highs of Tottenham and City to the Newcastle lows as the waves came crashing back down on the Geordie shores. Like you guys and a majority of the listeners, it's so easy to get caught up in the week to week rather than focus on the big picture or the process to give it its official name. I'll inevitably get caught up in the highs and lows imminently as the Chelsea emotion roller coaster is such an oh so sweet and intoxicating elixir that cannot be resisted, as we all know. It's why we love it. 
However, a very sage perspective from a certain Mr. Worrell shared on his recent fancast appearance has got me thinking a little more big picture regarding where we are at with our beloved team. Following Tottenham and City, we were all foaming at the mouth about this young crop. But Mr. Worrell eloquently painted a realistic picture of these two triumphs, being completely dominated by Tottenham for the first 15 minutes before the red cards and then struggling to score for a long period against nine men continuing to play football. We then followed up by conceding four goals to City. Yes, there were positives to be taken from both matches. I'm not accusing Marco of being negative or painting a bleak picture. He's had enough of that accusation this season. He was just being clinically clear and realistic about where we are in the process and that it could take a while to right the ship fully and get it sailing again. We have lots of youth and lots of potential, and if several of these young bucks turn good, mixing in a few experienced hard guns that can actually score over the next couple of transfer windows, the process might not be a lengthy one. See, I'm starting to get carried away again. Conor Gallagher perfectly encapsulates our 2023-24 season. King Conor one week to rash, immature youngster the next with two bookings and a sending off. The Chelsea roller coaster is real. We just all need to keep hanging on tightly and trust that Todd and Co relinquish the blue bank card to Senior Pochettino to a larger degree as the project moves forward. One last thought on the current state of play. We've identified a strength in Connor, Enzo, Cole and Moises. And the captain's armband has graced the arms of young Brits Reese, Connor and now Levi. With this in your mind, what would you think if I was to say the name Mason Mount, a Mason Mount that is fit, healthy, and in form? Would and where would he have a place in this team? God, I still love that kid. So while our on-pitch team has coughed and spluttered out the blocks this season, the mighty fancast team has gone from strength to strength. Having Mark Meehan reach almost residency status on the show this year is a real treat. We've had plenty of very welcome appearance from Tony Glover too, bringing his engaging Trotter's independent traders twang to the airwaves. One big miss is the Queen of Blunt. We know why Alexandra Churchill is super busy, but hopefully she can make an episode very soon. Well, yeah. It's been another brilliant season of shows to date, with the unforgettable highlight being Storytime with Jonathan, where JK shared his hysterical tale of his post-op booty call in an attempt to conceive a child in a hospital bathroom. Yes, we all listen to the fan cast with the football, but the fan cast is always so much more than that. So keep up the good work, fellas. I started this email talking about my inadvertent My Chelsea email that I sent in June. I also listened to vintage My Chelsea episodes from the fan cast back catalogue during the summer holidays and monthly international bloody breaks. This got me thinking. We all hear mentions about Mrs Chidge, nephew of Chidge, daughter of JK, etc., at times during the shows. Have you guys ever thought about having a festive family fancast feature where you get aforementioned relatives on the show to chat about their Chelsea experiences, etc.? Well, actually, that'd be very interesting. you get Georgia in. She'd just say, oh, I, I was in love with Mason Mountain. He's left. So I'm not... And Reese and Reese doesn't play. She said, mine, she said, I like Enzo. I talked to the other day. Ooh, Enzo's fit, isn't he? I went, OK, yeah, I've got it. I've got it, yeah. 
put the love onto Enzo now. Anyway, it has car. It's carrying on with the, with the email. It has car crash potential, of course, but who cares? It's the fancast. The fancast is a huge family spanning around the world. So I think all the listeners would get a kick out of hearing from your actual families, given the time of year and both families' relationship to the high-flying blue flag. Well, chaps, I want to wish you both a healthy and happy Christmas. All the best for the new year. Thank you very much. And thanks once again. Uh, this is next year, I suppose. Thanks once again for all the precious time you give to us listeners. Not done in vain, I can assure you. I wrote type this on the eve of another bloody non-televised 2 p.m. Sunday kickoff versus Everton. Oh, fresh off a disappointing United loss. Will I keep a stiff upper lip and keep Mr. Worrell's long-term logical viewpoint in mind? I'll try my best, but I can't promise anything. Roller coaster incoming. Warmest regards once again, James Boyd. Well, James, since you wrote that, the roller coaster, as I said earlier, has got worse. I don't, going I don't to... think it has. I think it's just stayed roller coaster. I, I, I chidge the Borough game. I think I'm afraid. I know, is but where... you, you're allowing you're allowing one game to cloud everything else. We we won more points in in December in the Premier League than anybody but Liverpool. Yes, yeah, true, it's true, it's true. But we didn't play very good teams, though, did we? No, no, and that is also true. But we've been losing to really poor teams for the last two years. So. That's true as well. Okay, okay. I just feel it's you you're, you're really depressed because of the Middlesbrough game, and you're allowing that to to cloud your to, entire to view taint of everything. Everything tainted. Taint. Yeah, absolutely. Taint. Top word. Absolutely. Yeah. Tainted yeah. love, mate. Yeah. Tainted. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that would happen. <laughs> what a great email again james lovely thank you so much really just lovely kind words i and mean beautifully, it just beautifully written as well it was beautifully written as well but it just tells you that you know we often say this when we're in the pub having a, a, a pint with a few of the boys you know that actually um it's all about uh the wonderful community that we've helped to create actually and that's uh that's what it's all about so james well done and uh clearly james wrote that before christmas and new year so that that was the first i mean i do i mean these are all in chronological order by the way i basically go from chronological order so uh, uh that was written i would imagine around the sheffield united game or just before it uh so james thank you for your uh christmas and new year wishes and the same go to you even though we're you know off way through january but uh, yeah happy christmas and happy new year keep listening and hopefully we'll get to meet you one day in the pub for a pint that would be lovely I like the family's idea. I might record Georgia, actually. Well, I mean, they'll up stages, so it's definitely not happening. <laughs> they do what? They do they'll what? up so... stages completely. No, so no, no, no. I'll make sure that I'll edit, I'll edit her so she doesn't sound too interesting. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, Sa- do you know, Sasha, I tell you, he knows his football. I mean, one of the things I'm most proud about, and I don't really have a reason to be proud about it, because I, I deliberately didn't pressurise him at all i mean if, if he was my boy then he would have been very pressurized but i felt it was a bit unfair to do that but i've done it in a subtle way and i've clearly pointed him in all, all the right directions because bearing in mind he's 17 he thinks about football the same way we do on the fan cast so he's clearly been listening and clearly been reading cfc uk and he's got the message i had long long chats with him about football when i went up to burnley because we were in the car for four hours up there and back but he get he gets it mate he totally gets it. He, he, is, he is the polar opposite of the wank views you get on, on Twitter, which emanate from usually people of his age. So, you know, I'm proud of the boy. We've taught him well. Oh, yes. So he could maybe he could replace me. You know, that would be... He, a, you know. he could talk. And I think, um, 
Blayton's boy is quite good, isn't he? He talks quite well about football, apparently. So. Yeah, yeah, indeed, indeed. Right. We could have a little, little 10 minutes, couldn't we? We could, we could. Right, uh, another, next email. Uh, <clears throat> another James, James Giffin. James, lovely to hear from you. Greetings, cheers, JK, uh, and I hope you are all well. I'm writing this during the Sheffield United game. It's minute 39, and I'm bored shitless. I haven't emailed for quite some time. Pretty sure it was during the last few weeks of the last season. You know, where it couldn't get any worse? Well, here we are. Uh, I thought I'd just share my worldwide view of Chelsea. Not all games, obviously. That would take an eternity. Just some memorable games or side notes for one reason or another. It all started in Plymouth, 1996, pre-season friendly. My, 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 what a season that ended up. Uh, it continued on the box or on the big screen until Chelsea took me to Wales for the 2005 Community Shield. Enter Didier Drogba. A whole bus full of us from South Devon went up, watched the winning of the Ashes in a Chelsea stronghold in Cardiff City Centre. My first real introduction to celery. Carefree and fuck them all, someday out. Drogba, much better. Uh, a mere month later, was off to Harrogate. I joined the army. This was a nightmare for watching the Blues. Who wants to polish boots when Chelsea play West Brom at three? Now, of course, I had a scheme. I bought on a long weekend when we went to Dirty Leeds for a day out, a mini handheld TV. I was then the TV guy for my platoon. Imagine that 40-odd recently buzz-gutted teens glued to a three-inch by two-inch TV to watch match of the day. Innocent but magical times. We retained the league and I was the only one in the naffy going berserk when Carvalho booted the ball past Van der Sar to make it 3-0. Up uh, Next up, deep cut, Surrey. Not there long, watch the quite incredible 3-3 versus Spurs in the FA Cup. Oh, that was a great match. I was there at that one. Off to Leconsfield, Humberside. There for a few months, the only game of memory is the 3-2 against Everton. You know, the absolute screamer by Drogba on the volley. Yeah, I do, I do. Yeah. Yep. Back down to Surrey, missed the League Cup final due to travel. Also have no idea what happened to my handheld TV. Off to Yorkshire again. Catterick this time. Blackburn, FA Cup semi-final. Listened to it in the car. FA Cup final, watched it in the naffy, surrounded by United scum. Drogba, legend. <laughs> Absolutely. <clears throat> 7 8 half was spent in the Falklands. Lost the League Cup to Spurs. Lost to Barnsley in the Cup. Our Cup, then lost in Moscow. Worst footballing day of my life. Anelka, twat. Czech Republic, training exercise, knocked out by Barca, by that baldy ref. Missed the game, no TV. Where's that handheld gone? Back to Germany, won the cup, lovely. Drogba, legend. 09-10, lots of pre-deployment training in and around Germany or the UK. Watched every game I could. Afghanistan for the last few months of that season. 7-2, What a side! I was hated by a corporal who was an Aldershot Town fan. He hated me due to where I was born, being not London, whereas his mate was from Exeter and supported Spurs. Hmm. The double including another FA Cup. Drogba, legend. Cole Palmer, get in! Fucking offside. Ooh, maybe not. He's watching the game at this while he's doing this, exactly. isn't he? Back in England, yeah. Tidworth. I actually went to a game. Chelsea 3, West Ham, Torres. Finally! And off we go to the land down under. This will take a long time, unless I do it almost bullet point-like. Uh, Geraldton, Vibe Nightclub, no TV, so I had to call Dad back in Blighty. Got told to leave the premises when I screamed after the final whistle. Another cup win, Drogba, legend. Also met my wife that very night, Catherine, wife. Champions of Europe, blimey, Drogba, goodbye. Champions of Europa, Ivanovic, legend. Perth, 
Welcome back, Jose. Back to England for holiday and engagement at the Bridge for Blues versus Everton. William, 96 minutes. Liverpool, Carling Cup, Ivanovic, legend again. Jackson, 2-0. Nice. <laughs> Wedding night, February the, 5th, uh, February the 25th, 2017, versus West Brom, South Perth. Chelsea, 4-1 Arsenal. Watching Chelsea holding our recently born daughter, priceless. May the 4th, son was born. John, named after John Terry. Inglewood Hotel, 300 fans. Chelsea won, City nil. Champions of Europe again. Havertz, legend. Club World Cup, Shark Bay, Western Australia. One bar of 3G in the middle of nowhere. Champions of the world, Struth. And that's my worldwide view of uh, worldwide viewing of Chelsea. I know that most Chelsea fans are fully aware of how lucky they are if they live close enough to the bridge to go every other week. Absolutely not right, mate. But some of us unfortunate ones have to hunt for somewhere that has the game on, a casino maybe, a rough as rats betting shop, or on your phone at dinner with the in-laws. I'm not sure I'm going to get as much fun as I've had in the last 17 years watching live on or on TV. This VAR nonsense has taken everything from my match day experience and I no longer enjoy when a goal is scored. Sad. Fancast. Thank you, James Giffen. What a belter of an email that was, JK. I love the style of it. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. I love the fact that watching the game in the middle, commenting on it, uh, diving in, jumping in at us. But... um, uh, your dedication, James, yeah. is brilliant, isn't it? The the fact that wherever you are, you're trying to possibly get a feed or or get somebody to tell you about it, or uh, as you say, your handheld camera. Did you ever find out what happened to that handheld TV? Whatever happened to that? Um, yeah, fantastic, fantastic. And these great events that you've mentioned all the way through. I love the fact that your your uh, marriage and your your children being born is 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 part of it. It's great, brilliant. It, it it kind of really embodies what football is about in a way, doesn't it? And, you know, the lengths that we go to, you know, to, to watch the game. And I, I remember when I, I, I missed the Moscow final, uh, or I, I couldn't go to the Moscow final because I was working, because I was directing a... I was making a video for Ricky Tomlinson, would you believe? Uh, him uh, Filming him and a load of his very unfunny mates uh, two nights in a theatre in Runcorn. And... Uh, and I had a Casio handheld TV to watch the final on. I'm supposed to be looking at five monitors because we had it was a five camera shoot, looking at five monitors directing the cameraman. But because I'm very good at what I used to do, I'd all brief them completely in ridiculous. You know what I'm like with my notes. That's what I was like. You know, yeah. So nothing left to chance. So they're all really well briefed, which is just as well because the comms link went down after two minutes, so they couldn't hear me anyway. So I spent the entire time trying to get a fucking signal on this handheld tv could i fuck you know what the only time the picture came out instead of just being that kind of white noise was when um uh i think ronaldo scored the goal didn't he in normal time mm. and jt missed the penalty that's the only two things i saw from the entire match so i had not a scooby what was going on and it was very frustrating so i i, I share james's pain on that but as you said that's what it's about that's the dedication you know he's right you know we're we're so privileged aren't we that we can go you know to pretty much every match and we should never lose sight of that but that's what it's all about that's dedication i love that absolutely love it yeah maintaining your support yeah through all these instances where work is in the way or whatever brilliant but bless him well done james if you ever get over you know to london for a game just let us know we'll have a beer i love that 
Okay, next email, JK. Sam Cullen. I'd just like to apologise to Chidge for setting JK off with the cold palmer chart. <laughs> well, yeah, you see, <laughs> give me an opportunity. Thought he was hilarious, though. Thank you very much. Up the chills. Ah, oh, that was it. That's all it is. Thank you, Sam. Thank you. I love it. I love it. That's brilliant. That's very funny. Nice one, Sam. Ah, uh, oh, right, my old mucker, George Spencer. Dear Chidgy, JK. First of all, thoughts are with Tom Lockyer and his family and friends following the scenes at Bournemouth yesterday. Hopefully he makes a full recovery. Yeah, it's, it's a while ago now, but absolutely right. Uh, it might not have been a spectacular win, but the signs have been there for a 1-0 defeat in the 85th minute. However, after a first half that probably felt like watching dry paint, Ice Cold Palmer puts us ahead before Jackson made the result safe to blunt the blades. And Petrovic looked like, while he might not be a world-class option, he can do a job when called upon. Hopefully we can follow up on this against Newcastle and Wolves. <laughs> Meanwhile, down to the south coast, uh, Winchester travelled to local rivals AFC Totten, looking to avenge the 6-0 defeat they suffered back in August. After dominating the first half in front of a crowd of 1,320, or 350 if you did a head count, <laughs> um, in which they could have been out of sight by half-time, City finally took the lead on the hour mark, when Dan Jones chipped their keeper and gave them the lead. Unfortunately, Totten equalised with 12 minutes left to snatch a point and keep Winchester in 11th. Hopefully I will see you at the Hayes game or see you next time Saturday, as we say at Winchester City. Until next time, up the Chels, George Spencer. And I did see George at Hayes. I, I popped along. I caught the second half and uh, I really enjoyed it and it was lovely to meet him. So there we go. And guess what? You know, I said until next time up the Chels. There is a next time. Uh, very shortly actually because there are another couple of emails from George but I think they're in part two but there you go George lovely to hear from you next JK uh, Kim Nordman hi guys long time listener from Helsinki here fantastic Kim I watch all Chelsea games on TV as long as they don't collide on the rare occasion with my local fourth tier Finnish club GRLFK or is that GRIFK Graphic- it's IFK because there's an IFK Gothenburg isn't there Yes, GR. I'd say it's an yes. I. What's the GR? God, forgive my Finnish ignorance. Anyway. I don't know. And I, I try to go to the bridge a couple of times per year to see the Blues live. Live. I'm a massive fan of the podcast. Thank you, mate, which I listen to on my train and tram commute to work. We're all aware of the horrendous injury, injury situation at the club, which I'm sure is the result of a myriad of complex reasons. Undoubtedly, one is the ridiculous demands put on modern-day footballers which pushes them to their limits physically and mentally. Sure, we're currently not in any continental competition, but players still go away on international duty regularly. At some point, we'll be back in Europe. FIFA has just announced a transformed Club World Cup consisting of 32 teams that will be played over the course of one month in the summer of 2025. The tournament will be held in the US. Personally, I feel the decision is not even ludicrous. It's genuinely dangerous with complete disregard for the well-being of the players. Already exhausted players are expected to play essentially a full World Cup at the end of the season, resulting in a shorter summer break even during the summers when there is no international tournament involving national teams. I find it absurd. FIFA is an organisation rotten at its core, only thinking about money. Are you worried that we'll see even more injuries and careers cut short because of this? Potentially massive mental health issues are even worse. Players are not robots, but they're treated as such by the organisation that should protect them and the game. Keep up the great work. Best regards, Mr Kim. 
Thank you, mate. Thank you, Kim. I mean, I agree completely. It does sound absurd. It does. I, I keep thinking, how long have they got? What do they do in that period? I mean, normally it used to be about three or four months, and that was when they spent most of the time caning themselves, going out and getting pissed every night. Um, but um, now they're, they're these elite footballers who play at a million miles an hour and the Premier League is the best league in the world. And yet here they are being asked to uh, to consistently um, perform in the in the breaks. Um, it, I'm sure it contributes to the injuries. I'm sure the fact that it, we're not alone in having so many injuries, so many other clubs in the Premier League have got all these injuries. I'm sure it contributes to it because the, the uh, and I, I was reading about um, uh, hamstring injuries, um, specifically because Reese Reese did his hamstring again. Um, and they now have to work out whether, I think we discussed this on a previous fan cast, they, they now have to work out whether some players um, jog backwards um, uh, like the referees do, you know, not jogging in the other direction. I mean, just jogging back with, with you know, facing the other way. So you're, whether that has a strain on the hamstring because it's putting a, a different strain on the um, on on all the muscles, and whether some players don't actually can't deal with that, so they have to either try and insert that into their training regimes. But it's things like stuff that they're not used to doing that is causing these injuries uh, because the bodies are under so much more stress. Um, and it is it is a, a so quick the Premier League and so much demanded of the players that. Um, I mean, we, we've talked as well about having huge squads to deal with this. Um, uh, and I think it, it, particularly even those squads in, in Europe, I think the people who've suffered the most of, of this have been Newcastle this season who just haven't coped with it at all. They've got as many injuries as we have, except somehow they're, they're not, um, they're not as, uh, they're, they're a bit more trendy than we are at the moment. We're seen as, as, a, as a catastrophic, cat, catastrophic club um we're, we're a banter club mate yeah we, we are now that's what we're called isn't it banter club absolutely whereas newcastle there's still a kind of yes we want the geordies to do well despite the fact that until they're... they get too successful then they can fuck up as well that'll be what yeah. Will happen. yeah yeah that's exactly what'll happen that's absolutely. when they'll do them for fpp infractions or whatever yeah. it is yeah ffp but um uh yeah I, I mean you're absolutely right i mean you know fifa just doing it for the dosh they? I mean, you know, they, you know what? I mean, they can get the dog. It's it's feathering their nests, isn't no, it? No, totally right. It's all about money, and I, I, it's a great email, Kim. And how lovely to hear from somebody from Helsinki. I mean, I think we've, I know we've got, we've got got a few Swedish mates that we've met over the years, not as many Finns. So it's lovely to hear from you, Kim. Um, he's absolutely right, J.K. And I tell you what, two things have, that occurred to me when you were talking and 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 from Kim's email. You know, again, this is this is actually playing against what fans want. You know, the whole point of football for many of us is to see us buy a world-class talent and then watch them play for a club for six to ten years and become an absolute legend or see a, a kid come through the academy and become an established first-team player and go on to play for the club for ten years and, and be an absolute legend. That's why we play. Hazard's the most recent and best example of that. You know, had had a good chunk of time with us, became a legend. We we all can look back on Hazard saying we were lucky to have seen him play. You can say to me, Chidge, I was lucky to see Peter Osgood play, and so on, so on. So it's Jimmy Greaves, you know, so on, so on, so on. That's really one of the reasons why we watch the game. 
if these guys are going to get... I mean, Reese James. Reese James could have been the next in line. He could have been the next... This guy is going to play for Chelsea for 10 years and he's going to be an absolute legend because he's got all the talent there is that you need. What are the chances of that happening now with his injury record, do you think? His career might have been ended by it. Well, I mean, even... Even I mean, he's missed so many games, number one, through injury. We don't know if he'll ever reach those heights again because of the injury. And it's down to, you know, possibly being brought back too early and overworked. And the other, other another good example of that, uh, Ruben Loftus-Cheek. Sacrificed on a fucking carpet of a wank pitch in the States, which was responsible for his injury. So well, you, could, you could even say a doy because of that period where yeah. a doy was worth 100 and but i don't know his injury was a bit weird his his comes to the category of it can happen you know i mean there was nobody near him nobody within meters of him yeah. and his and his achilles went that can happen you know but I, I mean here's the thing yes they play too many games it, it's clearly taking a toll on their bodies and it's going to deny us of, of potentially watching these uh, kind of players play for 10 years and be legends of the club uh, and 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 the other thing is is that it just shows you, doesn't it, that really football is no longer football. Football is part of the entertainment industry. This is why Bowley and his mates are all involved because that's, you know, I know that they're all hedge fund capital people, but they've had a lot of involvement with media. That's why they're attracted into it. And if you think about it, so you and I know a bit about this, J.K. If you look at uh, Hollywood and great actors and uh, musicians and rock bands from the time that they you know became a thing uh wheeled out on stage full of drugs to keep them going uh you know basically abused and exploited because they were money earners and i think that's what's happening with footballers um the only counterpoint to that is when you think about it is it really that much different than it was in the 60s and the 70s when they played on disgusting pitches and they were and they got injuries and there'd be pump full of steroids in their knees to get them to come out and half the poor fuckers can hardly walk anymore when they're in their 60s and 70s is it any different it's a very good point Chich. yes yes i suppose that the um uh it, it, it to an extent it has to get this it has to have a, a a a better level of entertainment because it's reaching a bigger audience and the money is becoming more and more enormous it just exponentially it seems to rise with the um with the huge money invested and the huge audiences whereas before it was great entertainment um on terrible pitches but um not as many people were watching it because it wasn't getting a it wasn't getting as 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 wide an audience watching it. Uh, I suppose the 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 point I'm making is that um, um, it, it as it's in as as the spectacle has got better and better, it's almost as if there isn't for me. There's an inevitability that you'll get um, uh, a falling off of players' involvement just because the human body can't deal yeah. with it. You know, and I, mean, I, I, I think whereas then they were in conditions that that would were very likely snap their legs because the pitches were so bad and some of the tackles were so dreadful. So um, it, it, there's kind of proportionally they're trying to make the game slightly more sanitized. So I suppose that the uh, the, the game goes quicker and quicker, but it, 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 the 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 wear and tear on the body is much much worse now as a consequence of this of the of the spectacle getting better and better. 
I mean, you know, this is not just football. I mean, you and I love our cricket and... You know, I, I'm pissed off if you look over the last kind of five. I mean, the best example of this, as you know, is Joffre Archer, who has the talent and ability to be one of the greatest fast bowlers we've seen play for England. Um, and this is one of the reasons why I never liked Joe Root as captain, because I always felt that he didn't understand bowlers and overworked them. I mean, he had he had Joffre Archer, you know, doing 20 overs in a day as like a mid, a mid uh, you know, a middle-paced, uh, you know, kind of uh, holding bowler. I mean, what the fuck was all that about? You, you use v- bowlers like that in two or three over spells. Bursts, don't you? Absolutely. And, he, and he's fucking killed his career, effectively. Yeah. You know, Ben Stokes is another one. Um, although Ben got him, you know... He did, did it himself. Yeah, think, he did yeah. it to himself, you know. But there are many... I mean, there are Ollie, Ollie Stone is another one. There's a whole load of English fast bowlers. Mark Wood can never stay foot fit and these guys I've, you and i've watched cricket for a long time as we have football these guys would have you know in, in the in our day back in the day would have played you know 60 70 80 tests for england and been absolute legends of the game and half of them won't even make, make more more than about 15 because they're injured so it's it and it's the same thing it's money 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 fucking money money is not our god fucking hell i think well once again it's the tv audiences because yeah. uh and and also the other the swifter formats of the game which lures everybody because they 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 can make enough money to um, to mean they don't really have to work again for the rest of their lives, which is um, which is something one never envisaged being the case with with cricketers, for example. No. Really, no. Who, uh, I mean, yeah. that's the one saving grace, isn't it? That actually, at least the players get remunerated so much better than they did i mean we we know a lot of ex-players from 60s 70s 80s and you know yeah. n- none of them are rich you know yeah. so uh there we go anyway i'm going to stop this one now because I, I feel that i think the cider is kicking in to my uh you know my brain and i'm likely to explode away days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery you in order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. When you follow a big team like Chelsea, one of the most frustrating things is not being able to get a ticket for the match, especially when it's away and not live on TV in the UK. What can you do? Get updates from your mates? Follow online commentary? Listen to the radio? Let's face it, it's not the same as actually watching the match live, is it? NordVPN have the solution to every football supporter's matchday problems when they can't watch the match live. NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. It's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices – it's a bargain. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. Football Fancast.
So, uh, next email is Henry Blundell, and he says... Don't explode, Chidge, don't explode. No, I I could feel myself getting quite ranty. That's the alcohol talking, anyway. Okay, okay. Well, uh, yeah, I I don't drink, so why does my rant come forward, do you think? I I don't know, mate, it's just your predisposition, I believe. Yeah, predisposition to to ranthood. It is. Uh, Right, Henry Blundell. Hi, both. Let me start by clarifying that I've been very impressed with Connor. He was great against Sheffield United and I want him to remain part of the team. However, let's say the only way that we could possibly afford under FSR? What's that? What's FSR? FFP, doesn't he? I don't know. Uh, A new striker. I think he must mean FFP. Anyway, a new striker would be to sell Connor. Would you rather keep Connor and sign no new striker for at least the rest of the season, maybe longer? Sell Connor and buy a new striker in January? As much as, I, as much as I'd want to select option A, I'm not convinced our team will really materially improve unless we have a decent striker. While we do have uh, other midfield options uh, available, like Lavia. Thanks to the owners for wasting so much money and putting in this position. Well, Henry, you know, I think I think you're I, you make an excellent point. Let's uh, let's say that. Um, but I think your solution is like let's it, cutting one's nose off to spite one's face. You know, uh, cutting your limb off to, to to kind of survive, I suppose, would be a better way of putting it. I, I totally get what you mean, I, I, and and it may well be the case that that's what they have to do. But you you kind of go there at the end by saying thanks to the owners for wasting so much money and putting us in this position. This is the this is the gripe that I've had all season, ever since the Connor uh, rumours were gathering momentum. There's only one reason they sh- they would be selling Connor. It, it's because it's pure profit. And it will pay for uh, you know new players, which they have to buy because they didn't get it right in the first place. So whichever way you look at it, it's their fucking fault for being inept, and that's what makes me so angry. Because if that wasn't the situation, there's no way any any uh, manager or team in their right mind, given how Connor's performed this season, would be getting rid of him. Not to say that they are, of course. J.K. According to current rumor, uh, they're going to sell Broya. Uh, and they've put an enormous price of fifty million on him. Who the fuck's going to pay fifty million? Indeed, indeed. But at least it does say it does show that they would be interested in selling somebody who, um, how can we put it, has not been reaching the levels expected of him. And Connor, the Connor sale appears to have disappeared. Um, uh, but the real, one of the reasons also why they might sign a striker is, of course, that Nkunku is injured again. And uh, uh, if he then isn't likely to be available for several more months of the season, uh, they need to get somebody um, who can actually look as if they're going to get the ball in the net. I don't think they'll ever sign Tony because I think he's going to carry on um, playing for Brentford, who need him because they're otherwise they're going to possibly be, re- be relegated. Uh, and so there aren't really that many competent centre centre forwards in the rest of um, Europe. But there's this now theory that. Benzema, who is in the Emirates, um, or is it Saudi? He's at Saudi. Will um, uh, is likely to sign for another European side, possibly even Tottenham, possibly even uh, who's the other side? Arsenal. It's been uh, there's been a, a rumor about him going to Arsenal. So there is the odd striker about, but um, I get the impression the Connor story is disappearing actually, um, because it's so obvious that his his stats are so fantastic, and he. Uh, I think, as was said earlier, I think he's 
he, 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 that midfield works so much better when he's playing with the other two and when Enzo and Caicedo play. And I thought we saw signs of Caicedo the other day um, actually looking more competent and being Makaleli-like in, in nicking the ball away. And um, Enzo had his best game against um, uh, Fulham. Uh, I think he was he was uh, uh, contributed an enormous amount to to winning the the midfield battle. Um, so, and I think I just think this the Connor story is appearing to just lose lose all its uh, energy. Um, so whether it was a complete invention, we will never know. Um, but I don't think therefore for me he doesn't figure in this. I think other players could figure. Um, uh, I'm bemused as to why we sold Matson because he was pure profit as well, wasn't he? I suppose there was well, that'll that. That'll be why. That'll be why. Yeah. Um, but actually, but, do you know, it's a good it's a good point for me to interrupt because yeah, do do because do, that's yeah. that's you see that that you know for all of poor old uh, Broya's struggles this season, which we we discussed at infinitum. Yeah. You know, post injury, very difficult playing yeah. for a team that's struggling up front, very difficult. And I think yeah. he's got an, a bit of a mentality issue in terms of, you yeah. know, lightening up in a sense. Um, yeah. I mean, the, the, you know, you, you could you could quite easily be quite clinical about it and say, yeah, well, of course we should sell Broya because he's not, he's not good enough, and we need to get better. If it funds that, that's that's good. But on the other hand, to sell him now and not replace him with a decent, I mean, we we need a ridiculous. decent fucking striker. Yeah. Yeah. Kunku's yeah. injured, Jackson's away. So if they sold Connor now. We've got no fucking striker. I mean, if they sold, sold Broya, you mean? Yeah. Now. Sorry, that's what I meant. If they sold yeah, yeah, Broya, yeah. no, indeed, yeah. indeed, they would have to buy somebody. So if the, if he gets sold, they surely must be buying somebody, and he, he perhaps he would be contributing to the funds. But once again, you don't know whether this story is as well. As he there is that. made up as the Connor story. There is you know? that. I mean, apparently, you know, like Connor uh, is doing and is saying, I'm not. You know, I'm the great, the great wolf of wall, uh, the the wolf of Wall Street. I'm not leaving. So Broya's doing the same. He's saying I don't want to go because I want to fight for my place here. I want to stay here because these guys love the fucking club. They want to play for this club. And of course, they have year and a half contracts. They do. You know, so uh, I think this is going to be a very interesting narrative going forward. Actually, uh, it's like a game of it's like a Mexican standoff, isn't it? So it'll be very interesting to see who who blinks first in all of that. I mean, frankly, the club should fucking offer them a decent contract. Stop being wankers about it. Sooner we get a, we get rid of those twats, Win Stanley and Stewart, the better, I think. Anyway, uh, I, I'm, it's the cider, mate. It's, it's making me rant. I should drink more. Yes, you uh, should. And, uh, and I'll just get angry, and then both of us will just rant. We'll just shout at ah! each other for the next hour. Henry, I mean, it's a good email actually, and I mean, it is a real conundrum because we we all know we all know that we need a bloody striker. It's that simple. And it is it is arguably the one thing that's really holding the club back, and it has been for a while now, but particularly this season when you see all the chances that they've created and failed to put away. I mean, I would be much happier to sell somebody like Sterling and get a decent striker in, actually. He's 300, <laughs> 350, fuck, 350 fucking grand on the books yeah, a week. Yeah, you yeah. know? What do we get for that? In yeah. and out, in and out, in and out. No leadership and fucking selfish to boot. Yeah, misfiring. Selfish. Sell him, fuck him off to Saudi Arabia or somewhere. Yeah, you know. Anyway, rant over. Uh, next email is Mason Owen, J.K. Mason Owen, how weird lads! I wanted to thank you for seeing through my previous three a.m. email. I was quite harsh on the club as I was a few drinks deep 
And as you deciphered, I used you two poor bastards <laughs> to vent my emotions and frustrations at the club. For that, I'd like to thank you for making me feel listened to. It's nice and I appreciate it's what it. what we're here for, Mason. No problem. Yeah, Mason, do it as often as you want. Anyway, on to the football. I'm so fucking happy. We've got a good draw in the cup, Mickey Mouse trophy. Or not, I'm going to be there for both the home game against Middlesbrough and the final if we reach it. Not jinxing anything. You're going to be there on Tuesday, are you then? Oh, we better win that. Uh, for context, I'm the Welsh guy who kept going on to suppose going to supposedly easy games where we lose oh, one. No. That so far only seems to apply to the Premier League games, okay, as yeah. I was at the Blackburn game by myself and had a great time watching a 2-0 win. However, I never expected the day I experienced for my next game. To start it all off, I lucked out and got two Westview seats for the Newcastle game for me and my girlfriend, £100 each. Sounds expensive, but it's £20 less than what I paid to see us play Forest in the same stand. Scandalous. I was luckily on the side closest to the Matthew Harding stand to experience the atmosphere as best I could. As a sidetrack, can I just say that what an atmosphere. I thought as Chelsea atmospheres go generally are for a home game, it's got to be one of the best, if not the best, of all season. I would need your input in this, as you lot would know better than I. Anyway, I booked my train ticket with the return as well as the hotel, split it all with the missus. As a uni student, I'm too poor to be a gentleman. Otherwise, I would pay for it all. Costs about £200 plus, if you were wondering. I managed to entice her to join me with the promise of winter wonderland <laughs> and a visit to the Ever After Garden. What, what happens in the Ever After Garden? That's very intriguing. I'd like to know what happens there. Uh, does that, uh, Mason, does that make you uh, uh, up for the game, as it were? Um, uh, when we arrived at the game, I shit you not, she turns to me as we're queuing to enter the Westview. West no, Westview? No. The Westview? Westview. Casually points out Astrid wet in front of us. She asked me, isn't that the one that gets her tits out at the stadium? I was in disbelief as to how she not only recognised her, but knew her, as she is not the sort of person I particularly tell my girlfriend about, as you can imagine. I didn't ask her for a photo or stop her for a chat, as I would only stop the real celebrities like Mr. Stamford Chidge or Mr. Jonathan Kidd well, if I ever got the pleasure one day. Mason, Mason, you like, yeah. Mason. And we'll get our tits out as well if anybody Absolutely. wants. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I'll get got, my knob got, out. Yeah, we've got, got no shame. I don't mind. No I don't shame. Mind. Um, no shame at all. Um, I don't tell you about that game, but I must. I don't need to tell you about that game. I must say we needed that. So happy I got to experience such a game. Honestly, one of the best moments of my life. I have an addiction to see as many games as I possibly can <laughs> for a chance of feeling what I felt after the Mudrick goal and pens. Yes, and the I absolutely right. The atmosphere is fantastic, and Mudrick, uh, Mudrick goal and the pens—they were also brilliant. And um, unfortunately, they played Borough and they were all shit. Anyway, but the reality check—I think we try and forget uh, how truly bad the Potter days were. That management period sent us back into the Stone Age. I remember hearing about the lack of player fitness every game. I can only imagine that's massively changed under Pochettino. Uh, the interesting fitness with the, with the with the team, isn't it? Really, I haven't noticed them blowing out of their asses, but I still don't see them pressing. I still don't see. It's interesting to see how Bournemouth have come good through pressing, and uh, I'm not seeing a pressing plan under no. under Poch at all. Which I was under the impression that's how Spurs played under Poch. But you know, hey. Hey ho. Anyway, in the Newcastle game, I was a bit disappointed in the chances we missed. You may think it's worrying. As usual, we can't break down a low block very well. Yeah, was, we, we constantly talk about that. But I have a new perspective. It's the same old, same old. But hear me out. Hear me out. No, we're not disputing with you. Surely, the more time Poch has, the more low blocks he inevitably faces. How do you improve? Answer, you train. 
well, funny enough, we 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 talk about that all the time, but you don't seem to see much um, change. Anyway, the more we face, the more we train for them, the better we become at facing them. We would have thought so, wouldn't you? And we can use each game as a learning point, question mark. Additionally, we miss chance after chance. I think you're talking about most of the games we watch, but we also created chance after chance. Yes, yes, but then we can't hit uh, a cow's ass with a banjo. I also have to mention that I love Tuchel. Yep. Yep. Still do. Me too. Always will do, of course. Absolutely. But after him, our team philosophy was built around a five back. I think we forget about how big of a change that is, how difficult it was for us to move to a four back from that. Anyway, hope you're all well. Here's a photo of me at the game, if you can see it. As I think a picture you can tell a lot more than words sometimes. Where is it, Chidge? Where is it? Show me the picture. I'm, I'm me the picture. A, I must have forgotten to put it up, actually. In, oh, my, in my haste to put the show together uh, this afternoon, I must have forgotten. I, I apologise. I apologise, Mason. I will I will go back and post it to JK so he can see it. I'd love to see it, please. Sorry Chidge. about that. Thank you. He makes an excellent point, or five, doesn't he? I tell you what, you know, that... That uh, idea around the, uh, you know, going from five at the back to four at the back is is really interesting because, um, I mean, ostensibly, I think Tuchel did it uh, because it was to cover Silver. I mean, Silver, it was deemed, was more effective in a back three due to his ageing legs. Yeah. And, of course, you had the wing backs to cover the defence, so it made us more secure. And also, you had, you had two top wing backs in Chilwell and uh, you did, and, and you still had Kante, but we we Kante was getting into that uh, how fit is he stage. But if you you know, I, I I still think if you want to play four at the back, you've got to have a really good Makaleli esque, Mikel esque, Kante at his peak esque defensive midfielder to cover the basically the back two because you're going to use your full backs, you know, as wing backs. Or, or they're going to go forward. So, you, you know, a, a good uh, defensive midfielder can slot into a three effectively. Um, so, you know, Tuchel had that had that covered in a way because he had all the players. I mean, I, 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 you know, we talked about this earlier in the season. I, I wonder if Pochettino likes to play four at the back or in a way he's been forced into it because of the absences of James and Chilwell. But, I mean, he did play four at the back in the summer, didn't he? So maybe he's a four at the back man. Um but, you know, I, I do think it leaves us vulnerable sometimes. I mean, I think this is why we're vulnerable to counterattack teams. Because, you know, if they've got a couple of pacey forwards, they can just whiz up there and we can get caught on our heels a bit. And I think, I think that's what's happened. Whereas, you know, I suppose it's, it's quite easy effectively playing two central defenders and using the fullbacks to go high up the pitch against teams who are not going to attack us. But then, of course, if they're any good at counterattacking, boom. I mean, it's, it's, it, you know, it's, it's difficult. You know, it's difficult. I, I sometimes feel for the managers, and I think that's, that's an issue there. You know. But I, I don't think we can play five at the back, or three at the back, unless we have decent wing-backs. And without Chilwell and, and James, we don't have decent wing-backs. Well, it'll be interesting to see whether he plays um, uh, Chile more regularly at full-back with Gusto. Um and, uh, uh, and and plays the four, just plays the four, and um, and doesn't play Colwell. Um, and so he, whether he or doesn't play Desazi and plays Colwell and Silva. Well, I, w- I would prefer Colwell to play in the centre of defence. Indeed, that's what I meant yeah. in the centre of defence. And yeah. I, 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 at the expense of Desazi all day long, and yeah. ba- and Badia Shield for that matter. I think Colwell's a better player than both of those two. Yes, yes, I agree. I agree. I agree. And I think yeah. I think Colwell will, will learn more playing next to Silver 
you know i think i think you know silver yeah okay as long as he's got half a yard in his brain he's not going to get exposed too much um but you know he, he he's not going to be there forever and uh with all that experience he can certainly pass that on to uh to anybody he plays with and i think that's part of his real value it's like i said ages ago it's like having desai you know when desai was with us and john john terry learning from him you know anyway yes. great stuff mason and uh yes uh hopefully we'll get to see you up at the bridge soon um well we're all there on tuesday uh right uh jalal karadia oh jalal jalal's been at the side of two i think judging by the email that i read earlier guys i just need to rant It'll be three of us then. Yeah, apologies. This will be very long. That's what we always say. Yeah, Right, we started that Wolves game very well. Three or four opportunities before that, missed by Sterling. Already, prior to that, we should have been one or two goals up, but we've players in Jackson and Broyer. Let me talk about Broyer before I get to uh, impotent Jackson. Broyer is an old-school striker. He's strong, fast, and can play with his back to goal. He needs some game time to get into proper shape again. I don't think he is bad. I just think he isn't yet in full swing. I would agree. Now to Jackson. He needs to be benched permanently for the rest of his life. Sorry, season. He should <laughs> he should be brought on only in the 98th minute of every match, like Michi Batshuayi. Yeah, I remember that. He should only be allowed to touch the ball once in order to prevent the audience and viewers from committing self-harm. It will also prevent him... Uh, him from me wanting to smash his testicles in with a knotted rope like Daniel Craig in that Bond movie. Uh. Casino Royale, I believe, Jalal. Uh, I defended him before. I still, shockingly, I must add, believe there is a player in there. But it is not his time. And if Poch has any sense of a spine or bollocks, he will let Jackson rot in the void of nothingness for the rest of the season. The kid needs a proper embarrassment dealt to him. Now to Sterling. He's been great this season, in my opinion, and he was fantastic this game. Like, seriously, he actually was very good. Super fast acceleration. He had the defenders on toast. He was creating chaos. He even created our eventual goal, which was a massive slap to the scrotum for fans. But guys, I had to do a full lap around the house to vent my rage after that miss. It was not three versus one. It was three versus nil. The fucking goalkeeper should never have been a part of the equation. He's got two players alongside him who are both onside. He must pass. It's simply inexcusable. It's a bit like that wonderful uh, commentary from the Brighton Man United Cup final back in 84, I think, wasn't it? He must score. Smith Smith must score. Smith must score. Oh! (laughs) (laughs) Exactly that. Absolutely. Now to Poch. Any manager who desires to set a standard of play or performance for his players to strive towards would have yanked Sterling off after that play. Honestly, Jalal, they normally only get an orange at halftime. Anyway, you <laughs> you need to make... Hey, you couldn't resist that I one. couldn't resist it. You need to make an example of these players because clearly his messaging behind the scenes is not getting through. They are not understanding the nice guy act, so he needs to pull a Jose Mourinho and stamp his authority. It's not about making someone feel bad. It's about setting a standard for these players so that everyone else on the team can see that this kind of play is unacceptable. At some point, he... Hang on. At some point, he needs to... Hang on. I'm reading that again. And now I know someone on the pod will say that Poch is Spursy and he's too soft or he's not the right guy. To our, no, no, I don't think any of us have, actually. I, I'm fully behind Pochettino. I think he's basically a good manager and he's come into an omni-shambles of a clusterfuck. Anyway... To answer that, let me tell you that this guy is not soft. When he was playing, he was a hardened centre-back who told attackers that he will break their legs if they try to nutmeg him. 
Good man. Play, player after my own heart. Uh, he was a good centre-back and a proper old-school guy. I don't believe in the Spursy thing. I'm sorry if you all disagree. None of us do, Jalal. We all agree with you. Uh, but I also don't think he is the manager for us. Let me explain. I don't see him as Tuchel or Mourinho, the managers who can win shit. But guys, I'm sorry, we're not a serious club right now. We're not winners, and that's okay. Football is cyclical, and no one has a right to win forever. Uh, we're in the phase in which we need to build ourselves into something new, and it will take time. I'm sorry to JK and the rest of the queue, but in my humble opinion, we need to stop hearkening back to the Roman days. It's gone. He's gone. That Chelsea is gone. You all have seen far, far worse days at Chelsea than I have. You can survive this too. Now, back to... Yeah, actually, Jalal, I, I don't think any... I mean, I agree. I, I've been saying on this show nearly every week, it's gone. Get, let it go. We're, you know, it, 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 we are effectively a different football club. Let it go. I've been saying the same. I totally agree with you. But you can still use them as a benchmark. You can say whether or not any of this team would get into a previous Chelsea side, which is like I do. I don't, I don't yearn... Well, I... I do yearn for those days. I yearn for that standard. And I think that's a pretty good benchmark for me. That's a pretty good something to compare it with. But, but this is why I'm fucked off, because in order, for that to have disappeared, which I think it patently has, yeah. it means that the new owners, as well as everything else they've done, they've destroyed the culture of the football club. Yeah. that was We didn't have you know, what we would call a very identifiable identity our identity over the last 20 years has been framed by winning trophies. Chelsea won shit. That's what we were. That was our identity. So it's kind of unfortunate because, you know, in a, in a sense, the minute you do something that prevents you from winning stuff, you lose your identity as well. And our identity at the moment is as a banter club. Yeah. Fucking Disneyland. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, Jalal, we kind of hijacked your email. Now back to Poch. Right. I think he's the perfect manager to lead us through this tough patch and the change, I would add, Jalal. All of this change of fluctuation at the club can occur during his reign. And then after two or three seasons, once the cycle of new players or staff has stopped, you can go and get that Tuchel or Mourinho manager. Well, that's but, not fair on Poch, is no, it? I, I, yeah, and I, I think he, you know, I, I'd like to see him get a, you know, to see it, see it through, actually. I mean, this is the thing, isn't it? Accept who we are and where we are now and what's happened to fuck it up royally. And let's see if he can have... I mean, I think... I mean, you know, everywhere he's been, Poch needs time. Now, I know that's a cop-out because you could say you could say they could put you and me in charge and in time, we would get it right. Uh, and I accept that. But uh, this is the way he manages. This is what he's proven before. And I think given his input onto it and influence on it, he will get it right because he's a good manager. So that's why I would give him time. Anyway... Uh, the winners, as in Tuchel and Mourinho, instead of this loser, I know I'm contradicting myself. I apologise, but I hope you are uh, able to read between the lines of what I'm trying to say. He should be oh. our fool guy. Well, I no. Don't, no, don't agree with that. Just let things settle while he's manager. Stop buying players. Stop adding random staff members. Just let it settle for one fucking season. Stop the changes. Then we can see what needs to be done. I think there's some sense in that, Janelle. Uh, furthermore, I simply do not see how anyone can blame Poch for our attackers failing to score again and again. Other than the personal decisions, he can't control Sterling or Jackson's legs. However, what I will blame him for is his cowardice. The baffling decision to continue to play Colwell at left-back is his fault. Subbing off Gusto to place Dizazi at right-back is self-sabotage. He permanently wants three centre-backs even if one of them is playing at full-back. Stop being a pussy! 
This decision and the decision to continue to play Jackson is the only thing I will blame Poch for. The rest is not his fault. Our pattern of play before the Sterling miss was great and we were playing serious football. I don't think he's a bad manager, I just, but I just, I just think he's not helping himself with a few decisions. The whole game shifted after that baffling miss. I could have scored that if I was six for under. Every footballer with any self-respect would have taken himself off after missing such a glaring chance. And any manager with any self-respect would have subbed his attacker off after that golden opportunity. Mourinho would have done it. Oh, yeah. When our attack continuously misses chances, especially ones as easy as the Sterling chance, it gives the opposition the feeling of invincibility. They are probably thinking that these fucking idiots can't score when we have no defenders. At this point, they'll never score. And it gives them so much confidence that it might be their day-to-day. This puts pressure on our defence, who always crumble because we're too busy holding attackers by the waist as if they're an ice-skating duo in the fucking Olympics. Every set-piece has one of our players hoisting up an attacker by their waist as if they're slow-dancing. It's fucking pathetic, and it happens again and again and again. Impotent attack, impotent defence. We shoot ourselves in the foot every game at least once, usually more than once. I am so tired of it. We seriously need to stop buying more players and keep some continuity in this side. If we sack another manager, it will continue the perpetual cycle of change that will be the real death of this club. We must hold on the sack button. It simply cannot be done again. I'm sorry. What we need is to bench the underperformers. Jackson should be sent to the gulag. Badia Shield and Colwell can wait in line behind Jackson play Matson, play Gusto. Dizazi may... Well, Matson's gone now since you wrote this email. Uh, Dizazi may turn like an 18-wheeler, but I'd rather have him than the other two. Silver is God at this point. Petrovic is a good keeper. That's your back line. Midfield is obvious. Connor Moises, Enzo, if fit. Attack should be Mudrick and Kunku and Palmer for the rest of the season. I don't want or need to see anyone else. But knowing our luck... I'm sure this desire of continuity I have will be axed at the ankles with injuries and will be forced into playing Colwell, Badiashield, Jackson or any other shitter. We've been so unlucky with injuries, but still we would have enough to not be 10th. The club has so many problems and I know how much we all want to hate the owners, but I promise you it's not just them. It's a whole concoction of disaster and chaos. I Yeah, exactly. And things happening without control that have landed us right in the middle of the perfect storm. See, I would call this a perfect storm of shit, Jalal. And the answer is not sacking the manager or signing more players for fuck's sake. Sometimes you just need to ride out the storm. We're shit. We will continue to be for a few seasons at least. But if we start throwing people overboard, eventually the ship will capsize. We really just need to ride it out. I'm not even saying to the pa- to be patient so that we can be good one day again. At this point, I'm just saying to be patient so that we don't completely break. Really, we're much closer to the breaking point. We must hold position on the manager. Lastly, fuck these refs. We didn't lose because of David Gareth. We lost because we're shite. But, 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 but. And JK, please back me up on this. We're the only team that receives yellows for kicking the ball away. Absolutely right. Yeah, he is, isn't he? Absolutely right. I was watching the other day um, various teams kicking the ball away. Nothing happening. Absolutely spot on. Wolves did the same thing. Palmer and Gusto did, and they did not receive... Uh, Wolves did the same thing that Palmer and Gusto did and they did not receive yellows. Furthermore, Sterling has now received two yellows for diving when he quite clearly was not diving. How do these brainless twat referees not understand that a player failing in the penalty box can actually be just that? It was Sorry, a player falling in the penalty, the Freudian slip. 
uh, a player falling in the penalty box can actually be just that. It was not a foul, nor was it a dive. He's just fallen. Fuck off with the yellows. Why do our players get booked so much more than others? And it's blatant hypocrisy too. Other than Jackson, who at this point is just a Gareth in my eyes, the rest of uh, our players get booked for things that no other players in the whole league get punished for. And it's not just David Gareth. It's all the Gareths and the referee team that do it for us. I don't get it. And I know I'm being a sore loser, but this is my only place to vent. I only have you guys to vent to. Guys, good venting. Though. Good no, venting. No, that's what we're here for, Jalal. This is absolutely what this show is all about. Guys, I'm done. I'm very sorry for the absolute turd I've dropped at your doorstep. Well, I think probably nothing compared to the absolute turd that Chelsea have dropped at yours, Jalal, but there you go. Uh, but I really, really needed to get this off my chest. I apologise for the language, and I would just like to say thank you to you all for being here for us fans who bleed blue but have no one else to bleed with. I look forward to listening to you all dissect this performance, this torturous team and this cowardly manager uh, who you don't want to go for a while yet, Jalal. I mean, there's a few contradictions But ultimately here. he does. Yeah. Lastly, if there was any ever any evidence as to you sound like me in the pub, Jalal. I've got a lot. I, I, I mean, I, I, you've you've been listening to the show for a long time, and we've heard from you many times. But I'm really warming to you more than I ever have tonight because in you and your your vitriol tonight and the, and your choice turn of phrase, this is me post match in the pub, isn't it, J.K.? Yeah. You, you've seen me post match in the in the pub, and I've had a few, and I've watched a load of shit. I go absolutely fucking off the diving board, don't I? I've seen you post match in Aussies like that as well. So. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, Jalal, mate, you're, I'm with you. Right. Uh, lastly, if there was ever any evidence as to how convoluted the problems with this club are, it's the sheer amount of contradictions in this email. <laughs> <laughs> brilliant i've only read that before happy holidays guys and a happy new year too here's to another year of shit football and great friends update right writing this post crystal palace again potch is interested in self-sabotage i'm very surprised to hear the bridge hasn't turned on him yet genuinely i expected to hear the fans chant you don't know what you're doing when he moved gusto to left back Dezazi to right back and subbed off our only fit left back it's baffling we concede every game so what's the point in playing three center backs just play two full backs and grow a pair of bulls fucking hell also, Colwell needs to be benched for a while. He's been so, so poor and directly responsible for a number of goals we've conceded. And Caicedo is a Bakayoko clone. Shit player. I'm so frustrated with this team and this manager. As much as I talked about stability and want stability, this pussy of a manager is walking headfirst into the sack. <laughs> Lastly, if we sell Connor, can you all please riot at the bridge? I live in Texas and don't have the money to come there and riot myself. But please, I entrust to you my fury and rage if Connor is sold by these twats. Happy New Year's, guys. Here's to hopefully a better year for Chelsea. Surely, right? Oh, I love that. I love the uh, the veering in and out oh, of uh, praising and uh, despairing of at the same time. But may I say the, uh, the consistent hatred of Jackson is something that uh, I can't really comment on because I've got into so much trouble. But... Um, you you appear to hate him, uh, uh, you dislike him. Let's put it this way: Dis- dislike his contribution uh, you more than uh, more than uh, than I do. Um, he consistently has not been given a chance in your email, which uh, I commend. I think you've done very well. Um, um, and I, I, I think when things have gone on, I think you, you've not been fair to Casido. I think has actually improved a bit. Um, but uh, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it, Chidge? We're we're the emails are being written in in just before January, the end of Christmas, and it's very similar to the rest of the games that we've had, isn't it? Really, it's um, 
it's uh, it, there's a consistency to the males and the consistency to our performances, which, as I said earlier, lurch from competence to incompetence. But uh, but yeah, the um, uh, and the same way as we're not quite sure about Poch, who one moment is um, is starring and the next moment isn't doing enough. Uh, but but as, as we've talked about before, I think they'll just hang on to Poch as long as possible, just because. I think um, they should let him grow something. Let's see. Yeah, take yeah, it as far as yeah. he can. You yeah, know, absolutely. there will be there will. I mean, even if Poch won everything, you know, there will still come a time when it's just not working, and that's when they go. You know, very, very, very few managers, particularly in the modern game, do a Wenger or, um, you know, a Fergie. Uh, I mean, you know, Klopp and uh, Pep will probably go well before, uh, you know, the number of years that Wenger and Ferguson lasted. You just don't get managers in the game now, in the modern game now, um, with, uh, um, you know... Yeah, exactly. So... You know, just just take it as far as it can go because it will be really apparent when it's gone too far to anybody with half a brain in football. That's the point. I mean, John's saying, I don't get Chidge's love in with Poch. I wasn't against his appointment. Let me just read this. I wasn't against his appointment, but as the season has gone on, I'm turning against him. Some of his selections are baffling. Nonny had a good game against Luton and not picked for the next game. Sterling has been That's known. true. That was true. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't disagree with any of that, John. But my my, my central point is that we know he's a good manager. You know, he's. He, he, I know he hasn't won a huge amount in the game, but there are very few managers that have. But he's he's managed at a level that's good enough, I think, to be at Chelsea right this moment. Um, he's he's got the level of experience required in Champions League and the Premier League, which very few other managers. You know, fuck off with a Xavi Alonso and uh, fucking Luis Enrique. They don't know anything about the Premier League. It's a different fucking gravy over here. So I think for those reasons, I say that's okay. I'm for him. The other reason is I think it would be the most ridiculous thing to get rid of another fucking manager now. That would be five managers in two years. That makes Mourinho look like Mr. Longevity. Sorry, not Mourinho. Uh, Roman, Mr. Not Trigger Finger. It would be ridiculous because the, the amount of turmoil it fucking causes, it's like ripping it up and starting again. So we'll have to wait another two fucking years for anything decent to happen because we don't get a manager bounce all the time. And most of the manager bounces we've had have been because we've had fucking good players who have basically been together for a long time. Not this bunch of Herberts that we've got at the moment. I think it would be a disaster getting rid of him at the moment. Not necessarily because I think he's the best manager we could have, but because of the situation. I hope that answers your question, John. Richard, do you think that's the... uh, um, I I haven't heard particularly... It's only been on social media, people saying saying, um, potch out. I haven't actually felt that there was um, uh, an undercurrent for that happening. Um. Just because we lurch from competence to incompetence. It's fucking Pavlovian, mate. It's fucking Pavlovian. Chelsea supporters have been conditioned over the last 20 years that the slightest sniff of failure or irritation, the fucking manager gets the blame and gets the boot. Because that's always what happened. And that that is coupled with the manager gets the boot and then we then go and win a trophy. We've been conditioned (laughs) to that for 20-odd years. The world has fucking changed. It ain't like that. Because as you say, Chidge, it's because we've had the players to do that. Yeah, because now we haven't got the players. No, to do that. absolutely obvious. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it would in be fact, count- the comparison should be more um, Chelsea nineteen ninety four. Yes, exactly uh, that. Exactly that. And I, I mean, I said it on the show before. I think that's where we are. We're Chelsea circa nineteen ninety two to nineteen ninety four, and I think the equivalence at the moment is is when Hoddle came in. You know, yeah. and Hoddle, as I I proved on the show. 
uh, our finishes in the league in the last year, certainly, uh, possibly this year, are the equivalent of what we were doing in 92, 93, 91, 92, 93 and 94. Hoddle never got us in the top four, never got us in the top six. It was only when Root and Viali, uh, Root Hullet and Viali came in that we started going up the league. What we were doing was doing relatively well in the cups and, and beginning to play decent, cohesive football. You know, and then all the foreigners came in, it took us up another level. But that's where we are. We're at, we're at the start of something new. We're at the start of rebuilding the whole fucking thing. They've ripped it all up and they have started again. And they have pissed on the bonfire of Chelsea Football Club pre-2020 two i believe so that's where we are so love him or loathe him i think we're better off with a manager like potch because the other thing i worry about who the fuck else is going to come in who's any good you know who, who's going to come in mm. you know do you want Mourinho back there was a surge for him on twitter why the fuck it? would you want him back i know but he's it, a busted it, it, flush completely his ideas are are, are... Of that, those are the Tyrannosaurus now. He's a dinosaur, I'm afraid. It's the same thing, J.K. It's psychological fucking conditioning. It's like, yeah. oh, Mourinho, we were great when we had Mourinho. We won shit. We're so desperate to win shit. We must have Mourinho back because then we'll win. No, because it's 2020 fucking four, not 2004. <laughs> the fucking world has moved on. Jesus. I need more cider. You've got an email to read. Hurrah, have your cider while I'm doing this. Uh, season's greeting. Philip Rawlings. Philip, how are you? Uh, season's greetings to you both, Chidge and JK. Thank you very much indeed. We had a lovely time. Um, first, with hopefully better grammar, I enjoyed the Troubadour event with Kerry. Uh, yeah, and I think it was excellent. I think Tommy got to speak occasionally. Yes, he did. <laughs> uh, and it was at the front next to the wall. It was, um, seems I was close to Mark, spent the start talking to the grey-haired gentleman to my left, only realised when Tommy heckled him, saying his dad sold him, I realised he was. Uh, I was talking to the son of Brian Mears. I think I mentioned Marler Estates, but not sure I got an answer. <laughs> um, getting back to today, as I'm sitting at home waiting for the visit of Santa Claus, having got back after a 350-mile round trip to Molyneux, you poor man! I went there as well. I've listened to JK's account of the shambles. Yes, I was uh, I was not pleased. I was going to start this email after United's feeble effort yesterday with the comment of how on earth we managed to lose to them at Old Trafford, but the 100 minutes today gave me the answer. You'll probably read this after we'd started a winning run, but I can't see it at the moment. Well, we we haven't. Well, we haven't. We have. We played a bit better in uh, uh, this uh, in January, haven't we, so far, Chidge? But anyway, other than Borough. Uh, firstly, what is happening with the injuries when getting to the ground? To hear Moises is out, nowhere to be seen. Hopefully a minor injury. But um, with Enzo out for a while and Leslie injured, who will play in midfield? I suppose Larville will be rushed back and probably injured by now. Prophetic, Philip, and correct. Absolutely correct. Then the team selection as why, why, why choose Broya and Jackson and leave Mudrick out. At the time, yes, I agreed completely. I agree. I don't know what plan he had, but yeah, Mudrick was, was doing okay. Um, and then blotted his copybook by playing so badly against Barrow. Anyway, even playing with 10 men in the first half, it was so one-sided, but didn't seem to be coached in the art of scoring a goal. Well, we're not. What goes on in training? Do they have goalposts for people to work out the art of association football, placing the ball through the posts? Yes, sir. And then the second half, where our defenders, where our defenders playing on ice, not seeing such poor defending, three times being robbed of the ball near our goal. But my main gripe is Sterling. And don't understand people's praise for him. Yeah, because that was um, was it? Um, who did the previous one who loved him? And uh, I don't, I don't see it either. Who was the previous one? Who did it? Jalal. Um, Jalal. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
yeah, I, I keep thinking we're watching a different game when that happens. Um, um, uh, 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 I've now lost my place. Uh, 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 Sterling. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't understand yeah. people. My main gripe is Sterling, and I don't understand people's praise for him. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm saying yeah, 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 because I still can't find it. And oh. then the second half, where our defenders playing on ice, money gripes him. Uh, What's about? Can you give my? But my main gripe is Sterling. I don't understand people's praise for him. No. You and me both. He was supposed to be our signature signing for all the running at defenders before and trying to beat another one and being dispossessed or falling over, hoping for a penalty. This bloke has no end product. And in the Premiership challenging uh, and in the Premiership challenging team, you honestly think he will be in it? No, no, no. no. So why can't we give Mudrick a run of games? So I would agree with the same. But then bizarrely, Medweke is coming a bit more now. It's, and then, you know, but he, but he played Palmer out on the wing the other day and it didn't work very well. He brought him in. He was much better. I Tactically, I'm... Um, not really getting what Poch is yeah, up hang, to. Hang on a minute, just interject here. I mean, this yeah. kind of answers some of the uh, questions on Mixler and, and Jalal earlier. I think we should have a bit of sympathy for Poch as well, because, you know, he plays a player, they play really, really well, so he plays them the next week, and then they're absolute shit. Yeah. So what's he supposed to do? Because this is the thing. These young fucking players, and ones who know better, like Sterling, are up and down quicker than a tart's fucking draws. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, what are you supposed to do? You should, at the, at the fucking bare minimum, as a manager, you should expect your players to give six, seven, eights out of tens every week. You know? You don't expect a nine and then a two. Yeah. How are you supposed to manage that? Apart from, oh, okay, I better fucking bench him and try somebody else, see if they're any good. You must drive him up the wall. And you can see it on the touchline. He looks exasperated a lot of the time. How the fuck can this be happening? I always... um. It's, it's, I always assess his his uh, love of what's going on by whether he sits down or not. Because if he's on the side, at least he does have the odd expression of hatred for things. Um, uh, but then he seems to sink into a kind of uh, stupor and just goes and sits down and nothing happens. I think it's then that he's thinking, I've got no way of influencing this. I don't know what to do. Um, but yeah, no. He, he, Although, he, you know, Nathan, Nathan makes a good point. He said, uh, and actually, actually, Nathan makes two points. Uh, well, well done, Nathan. Uh, Brozier scored and was then dropped against Burridgeard. Yeah, that's a really good point. I was very cross about that, wasn't I? And he says, or oh, he can play them in their best positions. I, I, I would be kinder to him on the best positions thing because I think that that is instigated mainly by the amount of injuries that we've got, I would say. Yeah. I, I think you underestimate how significant losing both Chilwell and James has been and how that's fucked up, and Fafana. You know, the, the defence, I think, is the is the main problem injury-wise. And, of course, then you've got, you know, Madueke's been injured and Mudrick's been injured and Nkunku's been injured. You know, it's a fucking nightmare, the whole thing. I think I think the Nkunku one has been the major one for the club, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he really was supposed to be this, uh, um, the, you know, a, a, a player as good as Palmer has turned out to be. I think he was the big signing. I think he was the big, he's going to get us the goals. And he looked very good pre-season. I mean, not that it matters. Pre-season is such a, you know, a lottery. People can, they're trying things out. But he did look a class act. Um, and uh, the fact that he's injured again, my goodness me. What are the chances of that, eh? Mm. Well, I think he's I think he's not known for having a, a sturdy body. So I'm not quite sure why they bought him. But, you know, anyway, that's down to the... Uh, the tech gurus, the stats gurus. 
Anyway, he, he says, uh, why can't we give Mudrick a run of games and 90 minutes each game? Because you're right, actually, when he does play him, he always takes him off after 60 minutes or 70 minutes. Um, I wonder whether that's because, you know, they've got all these little these these chips in the back of their bibs that they wear underneath their shirts as to whether it's revealing that he's just, you know, lost his mojo or he's not tracking back or whatever. Um, it, but he's he's a rum one, Mudrick, isn't he? He's he's He was so bad against Borough and looked so awful and yet then scored a great goal against Newcastle and um and is so so quick and you just feel you know the odd run he makes from the left hand side and he puts in a very good pass and he runs across uh and he gets to balls you know, I almost feel you could just you could trust him to punt the ball up the pitch and get a run run after it he'll beat nearly everybody so perhaps he's not being used in the best way but um at the moment i can't see if he if he wants to play sterling and he's going to play Madweke, i don't see Madrid getting in um, because Madweke, having been dreadful against Borough, as they all were, actually had a decent game the other day against um, uh, uh, Fulham when he came on. So, you know, but once again, it, I keep saying the bar is so low. He had a decent game. You know, you think, no, come on, play out of your skin. Do us a cold Palmer because Palmer plays at a level that we're used to. Palmer plays at a top level because he's a top player. And to be fair, even he at Borough, because he missed those three chances, he disappeared in the second half. But you still, you were still in a position to score, but unlike some of the others, and um, and Connor at least hit a post. But you know, I, I I find the fact he hasn't scored this season indicative of 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 his um, uh, not quite being in the right place at the right time, uh, despite him having great stats and uh, and being um, the kind of cement for the midfield for me. Because they they can't play without him, you can see how it all falls apart. And they, you need the three of them playing, uh, and, and then you've got you know something to build on. I can actually see them getting a bit better each week when he plays the three. Um, but as I say, I think Connor needs to score. Cause I think he'll score some more after that. He just needs that uh, that moment of confidence. Anyways, he says, so why can't we give Mudrick a run of games, ninety minutes each game? Well, he hasn't ever so far. Scares defenses to death. Yeah. He does when he if you give him the ball in time. For all his faults, it could give him confidence to produce a few world class moments. He's capable of. I agree. I agree. I suppose it will. I will get my wish for Palace as Gormless Sterling got himself banned for Christmas. Yeah. On the positive side, and Kunku looked really good and can score. I must admit, the goalkeeper looks a class act and may make the number one spot his own. It's interesting about um, uh, about Petrovic and Sanchez. Apparently, according to the stats, uh, Sanchez is. Is is more the kind of dangerous goalkeeper for? I don't mean for, let, for making mistakes. I mean for setting attacks up because he lets players come to him more before he passes. Thus, they're out of position for a quick counter attack or quick passing, which gives them then room in the midfield to 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 kick on. Whereas the stats are that Petrovic picks longer and is much less. Um, how can I put it? He 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 doesn't put himself in peril. Um, thus, he's um, doesn't he's come make as many mistakes. It, well, he doesn't make as many mistakes because he doesn't put himself into the position of taking the risk. So you, you've got one or the other at the moment. Um, and it was interesting the other day in the press conference that um, that how keen uh, Poch was at saying yes, yes, he's he's now back to running as if that was you know a very huge positive. I was thinking, well, surely that's the minimum. Um, you are the training ground. He's now running, but um, so I, I wouldn't be convinced that uh, um, 
Petrovic carries on once Sanchez is is fit, but we will see. We will see. Um, uh, but in Kunku, as we've as we've said, uh, as we've said here, Philip is uh, is at again. And we, we know, and there doesn't appear to be any discussion as to when he's going to be back. So I think it's bad again, hip injury. Anyway, Philip, thank you. Nice mail as always. Thank you, mate. Thank you. Yes, indeed. Well done, Philip. And uh, actually, it's good. It's good to hear you you talking about the uh, the troubadour, uh, the wonderful evening we had with Kerry. Yes, Austin very good. And, uh, and Tommy uh, Langley, because hurrah! <laughs> there is another one. We've got another one lined up. Um, I'll give you the give you the details. This is official now. A, a, a communique official. Uh, Chelsea fancast of the troubadour present an afternoon with. Kenny Swain and Steve Jock Finiston. So two two lads who played for us in the uh, the late seven. I've got hiccups now. Bloody typical, isn't it? I blame the cider. Right, Kenny Swain and Steve Jock Finiston, Super Jock. Uh, they played for us in the late seventies, uh, and uh, you know, actually, Kenny Swain was a very classy player. Ended up going, well, being sold like all our good players were in those days. Ended up going to to Aston Villa. And he won the European Cup with them. And he uh, went to Pompey and they, they won promotion yeah. with Alan Ball. Alan, Alan, Alan Ball, Alan Ball, Alan Ball. Yeah, so, you know, they're lovely blokes. And uh, anybody who was around in those days uh, will remember them fondly. And anybody who's too young will learn something. So do come along. Uh, it'll be 4th of February, uh, basically right after the Chelsea versus Wolves match, like like we did uh, before. We had one right after a 2 o'clock kickoff on a Sunday. Uh, so the doors I'll get there sooner Chich I'll get there sooner that'd be lovely yeah the doors open at four o'clock which is cutting it fine because obviously the game might even just about finish by then it doesn't matter some people haven't gone to the game and they'll go straight there and have a few beers before we will aim to get there as soon as we can I reckon we'll kick off with these boys at about half four uh, to five at the latest Uh, hopefully nearer to half four but the doors will be open from four o'clock and we'll rock on until about 6.30 I believe uh, and obviously, you know, we'll have a look back at the Wolves game and we'll have a live Q&A with them talking about the 70s, their careers at Chelsea, Chelsea now, Chelsea then. Anything, really. Uh, I think Kenny's Kenny- a very interesting player. He's had a very interesting career. Yeah. Post-Chelsea yeah. as well as a coach. Yeah. As well. yeah, yeah. I mean, he's done as work with England, I think, hasn't he? Very well with England as well as me. I have to say, he was a terrific player. My he goodness. He was indeed. But I think he's done work with England, uh, the, the youngsters. So a lot, youngsters, of the, yeah. a lot of the players that are now, you know, the, the, the new, younger golden generation, uh, Kenny was uh, coaching at England, so you know that'd be interesting to talk to him about that. So, lot, I mean, you know, they're, they're... Jock as well. Jock as well was, was a terrific great sentence. value. Yeah, who got who got mysteriously then sold as one of those things. Oh, I think because they, they had no money. It, exactly, yeah. I'm going to say they did, they sold him because they didn't they didn't have enough money and they needed to, to pay for bits of the stand, didn't they? So exactly. So, uh, um, apart from all of that, they're great. They're great afternoons. Um, the Troubadour Club in, on Old Brompton Road is a great place. It's a it's a very iconic and old. Uh, London music venue. Uh, we have the whole uh, downstairs to ourselves. We can only fit about 50-odd people there. So, in other words, tickets will sell out because it's a match day. So don't sit and go, oh, I might want to go to that. You need to, if you want to go, get your ticket soon because they will sell out. Tickets are 20 quid plus the booking fee and they are available at ticketweb.uk. Um, if you want the the right, you know, the, the complete link, then I've blasted this all over social media on our Twitter feed, Facebook, 
Instagram, you name it. So uh, go and check it out. Uh, it'd be lovely to see a lot of you there. These are great fun, these events. They're kind of intimate. A lot of really good people there. Have a few drinks after the match and listen to some former Chelsea players talk about their stuff. So there you go. Brilliant. Right, that's all we've got time for for tonight. Uh, JK, Dan Silver and I will be back on... Dan doesn't know this yet because I haven't told him, but he said he's available. So Dan, JK, Dan Silver and I will be back on Monday night to preview... Tuesday night's Caribou Cup semi-final second leg match against uh, Middlesbrough. Miserable. Uh, so there we go. So look forward to that. Uh, as this is an in-off-the-post show, it's, it's an opportune moment for me to say, if you want your email, Patreon, Instagram, tweet or Facebook message read out, then uh, let me have them as soon as you can. The email address is chelseafancast at gmail.com and then we will do a show about a month later. No, we'll try and do it sooner than that. It's just been a bit... Christmas and all that got in the way. Right, you can follow the show on all the social media at Chelsea Fancast, me at Stanford Chid, Jonathan at Jonathan Kid. Thanks for listening. See you soon. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, and keep it Chelsea. Oh, it's Chelsea! Oh, you blue boy. Play like a proper thing for God's sake. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.